Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Monday. It's August 21st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. So bear with us here. We have some schedule adjustments for today. Alan Pupar of All Dolphins was set to join Bob in the 915 segment Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins scheduled an unexpected Zoom call so we're moving Allen to today at 11:30 that's right 11:30 is typically poll question time so we'll move poll questions to 11:15 that means one phone call segment for you today which is at 10:30 602-260-1060 is the number to chime in that'll be at 10:30 today we also have the Arizona Diamondbacks so Today is ASU night. Saturday is going to be U of A night. That's right. Saturday, August 26th. It's time to bear down as the D-backs are hosting the Reds for U of A night presented by Chase. Fans can purchase a special event ticket package to receive a game ticket and co-branded U of A Diamondbacks tee. Visit dbacks.com slash U of A to secure your tickets. That's Saturday, August 26th. The Diamondbacks hosting the Reds at 5, 10 p.m., and we will have a four-pack of tickets given away a little bit later on in today's show. But let's keep something normal. Let's reset the scene or set the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. The 2023 Miami Dolphins over under nine and a half wins, and the masses are currently on the underside of things pretty significantly at 70% of the vote, over trailing at 30%. I can understand the uh, the voter sentiment to this point. Obviously, it's a tough division. Uh, also, you know, the injuries that they've already uh, you know gone through here. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey, number one on that list, is out until December. It appears, and uh, you know, they apparently uh, dodged a bullet last week when Teron Armstead, their very important left tackle, the numbers when he's on the field. Last year, when he wasn't on the field, were staggering. You figured there'd be a difference, but they are massively different. Uh, he went down during a joint practice last week, but it looks like that he's escaped serious injury for now. But he has rarely made it through you know, multiple games or you know the you know majority of seasons, whether it be in New Orleans or in Miami last year because of injury. So that was a certainly an issue there. So there's. A lot going on as far as the Dolphins, whether it be unhappy players with contracts or injuries. Yeah, and then you also have to factor in as well Jalen Ramsey and, uh, you know, the excitement that was surrounding bringing him in, the unfortunate situation with him now to start the season, Vic Fangio making his impressions on the defensive side of the ball, and, of course, the all-important question, can Tua stay healthy? That's a big one, and uh, he's not made it through an entire season since 2018 in Alabama. 
So we will answer that question today around 11.15, get Alan Pupar's thoughts about things at 11.30. The Twitter poll question at KDUS AM 1060, have the Diamondbacks turned it around while winning three consecutive series? Right now, the masses are on the no side of things at 63.6% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 36.4%. The D-backs do host the Rangers for a two-game set starting tonight. Apparently the Diamondbacks fans or the voters not that impressed with the winning three series, two against the uh, you know, disappointing Padres and one against the last place Rockies. Schedule does get much more difficult. Uh, two games at home starting tonight against Texas. Texas did get swept over the weekend at home uh, by Milwaukee, however. Uh, then after that, you mentioned uh, the U of A night, uh, four games at home against the Reds and I think it's pretty difficult to predict what's going on with the Reds from game to game or inning to inning for that matter. They had three or four errors at one inning yesterday, uh, and uh, they had a couple of other misplayed fly balls in the same inning. Some of the worst, it might have been the worst defensive inning of baseball I've seen any team play this year. The Reds have good defensive metrics. I don't understand how that is because they, no team seems to throw to the wrong base more or not cover bases more. Or they physically, they, you know, I guess maybe that's where the metrics fall in. Certainly they make some physical plays. You just kind of go, wow. And then they do the non-physical you know, things and baseball IQ things, and you go, wow. Uh, so we'll see. That's a, a four-game series that starts on Thursday night in uh, Chase Field. And then next week, the, the Diamondbacks, their third consecutive Series against either teams currently in the playoffs or contending teams in the playoffs. They play next week at Dodger Stadium for three games. Yes, it definitely does ramp up uh, in terms of strength of of teams and opponents as well as uh, the implications that are potentially on the line when facing uh, the Reds as well. So we'll dive into that around 11.15 today. Let's get started uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. It was a 38-10 loss for them to the Chiefs in their preseason game number two on Saturday night. First, let's hear from Aaron Decker. The Kansas City Chiefs return to State Farm Stadium to face off against the Arizona Cardinals in their second preseason game. The Chiefs ultimately walked away with a 38-10 victory over the Cards. The Cardinals defense held the Patrick Mahomes-led offense to just eight plays in the first two drives, but in Mahomes' final drive, the Cardinals could not stop them from scoring on a 10-play, 92-yard drive for a touchdown. From there, the Cardinals defense struggled to prevent the Chiefs from driving downfield with deep passes. All four quarterbacks for the Chiefs tallied just seven incomplete passes and the entirety of the offense put together 504 yards. On the offensive side, rookie quarterback Clay Toon put together a similar stat line from the first preseason game against the Denver Broncos. Toon completed 12 of 24 passes for 133 yards but did not score any touchdowns. Toon continued to struggle when throwing to receivers, typically overthrowing receivers like Greg Dortch and Andre Bocelli. Both Toon and head coach Jonathan Gannon said that this will need to be worked on through footwork. One standout at points was second-year running back Keontae Ingram, who had several big runs and added a five-yard touchdown to his night. That's going to be it for this recap of Saturday's game against the Chiefs. Arizona heads north to Minnesota this week to participate in joint practices with the Minnesota Vikings as they head into their matchup on Saturday. 
All right. So uh, for me, some takeaways here. Let's just start with the first team offense. They did play that included Colt McCoy, that included James Conner, that included DJ Humphreys. Uh, James Conner, DJ Humphreys, two players that did not participate. Uh, It also included Hollywood Brown. Colt McCoy, he was five of eight for 25 yards. James Conner, two carries for 15 yards. Uh, Michael Wilson was not targeted. Uh, Keontae Ingram, he did get some run behind the first team O-line as well in all for his day seven carries 28 yards the first team offense though unable to move the ball uh and punch it in for a score michael wilson also left with injury and uh they didn't really give us an update during the game or after the game as to what exactly was going on there but he left very early in that game because of injury i'm sure they would like to have got him a few more snaps but Unable to do so. So there's another thing there. Uh, this whole game, um, yeah, you sometimes you, you get more out of watching game on TV, uh, but I think the biggest thing that you lose sometimes on TV is the uh, athleticism and quickness factor. And as I mentioned during the uh, during the, uh, the, the the sports zone, this was like a team that was in a fast forward mode. If you were doing a you know, video game, I guess, I don't do video games, or certainly a, a VCR or you know, some kind of a, you know, playback machine on television, uh, it was a fast forward, and then you had a team that was incredibly slow. And uh, the only thing I could think of, which I thought about frequently, it didn't matter if it was the first team or the fourth team, there was a massive athleticism advantage here. And it reminded me of my first year here covering the Cardinals in 2022 when the greatest show on turf with the Rams uh, and especially Marshall Falk went against the Cardinals defense, which was awful. And it was just uh, it was a whole different. It was almost the varsity versus JVs is actually an insult to the to the to the actual term itself. I mean, there was a massive, massive difference in athleticism. And I thought before the season started, the Cardinals didn't have a very talented roster. And uh, you know they've got a whole bunch of dudes in this 90-man roster right now that shouldn't even be on a 90-man NFL preseason roster. So there were a couple of other takeaways that I had uh, from the first team units. And now we'll flip this over to the defensive side of things. So Kaiser White, he's the man in the middle of the defense. And he certainly stood out in a couple of different areas. So I think, you know, one, having that familiarity with Jonathan Gannon from his time with the Eagles is really important. Uh, He'll be the guy calling the plays and setting the defense this year for the Cardinals. The other things that stood out for me, Keytrell Clark getting the start once again uh, I think at this I mean there's going to be areas of room for improvement and growth from him as he is a rookie but I think he should get that cornerback two spot opposite of Marco Wilson and then Isaiah Simmons uh, he looked lost a lot of the times here uh, from his safety position he did get an unnecessary roughness penalty and he was also seen on the kickoff team yeah uh and there's been few people I've been more wrong about than Isaiah Simmons. He can't play. He's not good. They've tried him everywhere, doing everything, and he can't seem to do any of these things at an NFL level. I would say from the defense, the only NFL starting caliber players on the Cardinals team are Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker, and the previously mentioned White. 
Other than that, uh, they don't have NFL caliber players. Uh, it's really kind of unfortunate about what happened to Isaiah Simmons just because of how things, uh, the hype surrounding him, the athleticism, what he was able to do at Clemson. Uh, you certainly thought to yourself that uh, – Maybe the expectations and the thoughts of him being able to be so versatile and used in so many different areas, the fact that he was coming in in that 2020 year where they weren't able to get on the field, everything was Zoom-related, that it maybe stunted his growth a little bit. But as time is going on, this is now an entirely new uh, group of people as the coaching staff. It's really unfortunate to, to watch him out there. Just his eyes aren't in the right place. He's, he's making... Uh, uh, he's late to a lot of different things, so that's just really unfortunate when you invest a first-round pick like they did on him. Yep, and I was totally for it. I thought it was great that they got him. He's bad. He just can't play. I mean, I, we've seen enough. He can't play. In the postgame, he seemed to blame the, either this coaching staff, the previous coaching staffs, or all coaching staffs for not being in the play, same place all the time. That seemed to be an excuse he threw out there. And I think that's garbage. He's just not good. Next up on my list of takeaways here, let's talk about Clayton Toon. Uh, he received the majority of the snaps. He was 12 of 24 for 133 yards. His legs were on display, six carries, 35 yards. Uh, there obviously is a lot to do sometimes where he is overthrowing some balls, but a lot of times he is kind of scrambling and having to, to run in certain circumstances as well. Um, you know, he is not always working with that one offensive line unit. He's working with the backup offensive line unit. I do think there's a lot of good here with Clayton Toon, though. I do, too. I don't think anything that, uh, you know, the high throws, almost never does he have time to throw. I mean, he's been out there for the most part. There was a little time in the first game where he played with a couple starting offensive linemen. But it's almost all been with backups. And I think the Cardinals are doing the right thing. they got to find out if this guy can play or not this preseason because you know, when the regular season starts, McCoy and hopefully Kyler Murray are going to be getting the reps. And I'll, if you see Clayton Toon during the regular season, things went horribly at the quarterback position because of injury most likely. So they're doing the right thing, giving him a chance. But they're also, in a way, not really giving him much of a chance because this offensive line, the backup offensive linemen on this team are also non-NFL caliber at almost every position. Let's have a, a little bit more of a conversation about that. So, yes, it doesn't seem like there is a quarterback competition here. Colt McCoy is going to be the starter in week one. But is it maybe something to consider about giving Clayton Toon an opportunity to start just because you do want to see what you have? Can he be developed into a really solid backup quarterback here? Um, he doesn't seem to get rattled. He doesn't seem to get flustered when he's in circum circum certain circumstances. You're a team that is in a rebuild situation. So if you're going to lose games, do you want to lose games seeing what you have in Clayton Toon? No, not at all. Uh, McCoy you know, came back, and some people thought he was going to retire at the end of last year. I kind of thought along those lines myself, especially after watching Hard Knocks with his family featured and so forth. So if he came back, he deserves to be the starter. He gives, clearly gives them the best chance to compete, at least early in the season. If, if you make Clayton Toon the starting quarterback to begin the season, you're basically giving up on the season right then. 
Um, at one point during the game, you had between Patrick Mahomes, Shane Buchel, and Blaine Gabbert, those three quarterbacks completed 20 straight passes for for their Chiefs offense here. There were no sacks, no quarterback pressures, and one tackle for a loss. Well, I'll even take it and I'll kind of narrow this down. You know, Bouchel, who used to be, at one time, he was the number one high school quarterback in the country. Uh, so he has some pedigree, bounced around in college a little bit, Texas and other place, a couple of other, well, at least one other place. But, uh, and Blaine Gabbert, who also, another guy I was totally wrong about, he had played a bowl game here when he was playing for Missouri. I thought he was going to be an NFL quarterback. But they were unbelievable on Saturday night. Those two guys alone com- uh, combined to complete 17 of 18 passes. And this, I think, was the most telling thing of how bad the Cardinals' backups are. That Those guys were completely outclassed. They had no chance to even get basically a complete pass when Bouchel and Gabbert were on the field. And this was more the Cardinals' ineptness and their just complete lack of uh, you know, skill and NFL talent behind the first team. That was more those guys than what Bouchelle and actually Gabbert were able to accomplish. It was the easiest pitch and catch that you've ever seen, maybe in an NFL preseason game, but certainly in an NFL setting, quote-unquote. I will say this, though. Bouchelle did put up some pretty good numbers in the Chiefs' first preseason game. He had a lot of reps in, in that particular game, too. So interesting here uh, that they may have found their new quarterback, uh, backup quarterback to Patrick Mahomes after uh, – uh, he, Chad Henney has moved on. He went off into the sunset there, retiring. So uh, they're looking for the backup to Patrick Mahomes. The other thing that stood out to me, though, in a positive sense for the Cardinals is how hard uh, Keontae Ingram ran the ball, and he also was able to catch a couple of passes out of the backfield. He looked good. I agree, and that's a guy I liked last year. First time we ever saw him practice at, uh, you know, I think it was the, that was the red-white practice a year ago. Uh, clearly the dude has ball skills. I liked him in college, uh, and his two college stops. Uh, so I knew about him before I even saw him here for the Cardinals in training camp. He's good. Uh, also found it very interesting that, uh, you know, Corey Clement was the fourth running back on the field on uh, Saturday night. And I wonder if the Cardinals are you know, thinking about or whether they can make a trade and trade, uh, there's a lot of teams in the NFL right now that are already short on running backs because of injury. And Clement, because of his Super Bowl you know, pedigree back in the day with the first time that the Eagles went to the championship, the Super Bowl in the last few years here, he was on that team and made some plays. I would think they would be interested around the, in the NFL for Clement, who if, you're the, if he's the fourth guy on the field running back-wise, there's no, really reason, no real reason for him to be on this roster. There were a ton of penalties in that contest, and Jonathan Gannon was asked about it after the game, and he said that a lot of times it's a lack of technique that leads to penalties. So those are going to be areas. I'm not not buying that crap at all. I mean, a lot of them were stupid penalties, and the other ones were just they were so slow, especially on defense. They just and actually trying to pass block. They were so unathletic that they couldn't compete because they should not be in the NFL. 
More preseason NFL conversation coming up on the other side of the break. Also, as a reminder, around 1030 today will be the only phone call time. 602-260-1060 here in the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Suggest you take advantage right now of downloading the KDOS 1060 app as if you do register and follow along with the listener reward opportunities for your chance at a $100 gift certificate courtesy of Superbook Sports. Continuing our NFL and preseason theme here, there is one question I have for you and covering you know the league as long as you have and when we do our NFL previews and we're watching preseason games we're trying not to overreact too much to different things because certain times you know ones are going against twos not everyone is always out there uh, with all the starters intact etc there's not a game plan put into place a lot of times it's trying to work on certain things so it's trying to find that happy balance of saying hey uh, this is not something that we should overreact to but oh this team looks like it's certainly struggling and a team that maybe comes to mind for me in terms of over the weekend struggling would be the Buffalo Bills. There was a lot of self-inflicted penalties uh, on the offensive side. They looked like they weren't really in sync. And then unfortunately on the offensive side of the ball, they did experience uh, an injury with Tommy Doyle. Uh, going to be out for the rest of the season with a knee injury as he just was working his way back from missing all, uh, most of last season as well. Yeah, Um I don't watch preseason football. I have to watch the Cardinals. Um, my first job in Las Vegas when I went to Jim Feist Sports there was to watch preseason games, but we had a different a motive there because that's when that was before the internet was invented by Al Gore. Uh, also, uh, you didn't have you know you didn't really know who was going to be playing in preseason games from week to week. My first job was to watch every preseason game and listen to every preseason game and take uh, notes of as to whether they said who's going to be, whether the starters are going to play the next preseason game because that was a betting advantage back in those days because that's the only really way you could get that kind of information unless you knew somebody in a certain city and you know, I kind of had some Chicago connections even before I moved there. Maybe I had a couple there, but... That was my first job, and I learned as soon as I got done with that, you know, I stayed with the company for a few years after that, Jim Fye Sports and Handicapping Service, and got into the Sports Talk Radio because of that, too, uh, that you don't, at least for me, nothing I see in the preseason as far as a game goes, it was it's a complete waste of time. You know, the injury thing that, you know, somebody's going to tell me about that. You just told, I already knew about the Buffalo thing also, though, because I read that somewhere. But something bad happens injury wise. Now, that might askew my opinion or, you know, change my opinion on somebody. But I'm not going to change my opinion of a team that I've thought for weeks, maybe even months, based on what something and something that happens on a positive side in the preseason. I could care less. I don't think it means a damn thing. I think it's a waste of my time. So that's just my approach, 
And that's I'm not going to change. It's been that way since literally 1990 when I didn't have to watch preseason games anymore for for Jim Feist back in the day. Uh, yeah, I think it's that that's a perfect cautionary tale of not getting sucked into it too much of saying this team is now going to go, uh, you know, undefeated for the season. Right. But there are certain things that you can certainly take away from, uh, you know, depth wise, what we're seeing with the Cardinals, little things like that, that you can certainly um, take away from. But it probably just furthers your opinion of what you thought of it heading into the, the, the season. Well, definitely for the Cardinals and uh yeah, I'm at the point now where I'm actually considering betting under four and a half wins because I can't imagine they're going to win five. I would be, I think, a miracle if they won that many games. A couple of other takeaways, though, uh, from the weekend of preseason action here. So the Steelers offense, they had a couple of explosive plays, so it'll be interesting to see how that all translates to the regular season uh, and just in general how this AFC North is all going to shake up. We talked about it a lot last week when we were previewing the AFC North that going 3-3 three and three in the division would be a win. Yeah, well, I hope the Steelers have some explosive plays because the best ball fantasy league I was in last week, we have Pickens and Deontay Johnson. So that would be good. All right. You're rooting for some deep balls to Pickens. That's for sure. Um, A couple of other things that caught my attention here. The Buccaneers, John Wolford got hurt. Uh, He is doing okay after being taken to the hospital. Kyle Trask ended up playing then most of the the game. Baker Mayfield did not play at all. Todd Bowles says that that doesn't mean Mayfield is QB1, and he says there is no timetable yet to name a starter. Well, okay, great. I mean, uh, to me, it doesn't matter who Tampa's quarterback is. I didn't really want any part of Mike Evans or uh, Godwin as far as you know, the best ball draft we had last week. I just don't think their offense or their team is going to be any good. Yeah, it certainly is. They've lost a lot. They had a lot of age there as well. Uh, it's certainly going to be a rebuild for, for them, I think, this year. Uh, for the New York Jets, Aaron Rodgers didn't play yet again. It looks like Mekhi Becton, though, could be taking hold of that right tackle spot. Yeah, we're going to preview the Jets later this week. And, you know, the offensive line has been absolutely atrocious in these you know, consecutive weeks of, uh, you, know, the, uh, you know, the joint practices, whether it be against Carolina, the, you know, two weeks ago or whether it be last week against Tampa. And uh, I'm sure that'll be a big part of hard knocks tomorrow night as uh, they apparently got used and abused. And uh, if they actually were, you know, having sacks officially recorded, uh, according to one report from New York last week, they gave, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers would have been sacked six times in just the one joint practice. Wow, that's that's a lot. Uh, you can't really move the ball if you're not uh, getting some good protection on the offensive line. Well, this is by far, I don't think there's any doubt about this, and for me it's by far the worst offensive line that Rodgers has ever played behind. And also, you know, Jim, I might be wrong about this, but I'm also thinking he's older than he's ever been. Yeah, I don't know actual a real Benjamin Button. Yeah, well that's yeah, that's true. We need to get like a birth certificate or something going, but I'm pretty sure he's older now than he was before.
Uh, other takeaways here. The 49ers, they got Brock Purdy some action. He was 4 of 5, 65 yards. No Trent Williams, no Christian McCaffrey, no George Kittle, but everyone else out there. And in Brock Purdy's return from the UCL situation here, uh, looks like he's on track. Sounds like Kyle Shanahan takes preseason about as you know, you know as seriously as I do if your three best players aren't out there playing on offense. The Raiders saw Jimmy Garoppolo get some time. He led them on an efficient touchdown drive. And then the Aiden O'Connell praise continues yet again, backing up Jimmy G. Yeah, um, I watched Aiden O'Connell at Purdue and never runs thought, there's an NFL starting quarterback. Cowboys, they lost linebacker Mavian Overshawn to a torn ACL here. Obviously, they are a team that has a very good defense, but uh, uh, you don't want to start racking up the loss of key players. Uh, I don't even know. Do I know who he is, let alone a key player? He's not a starter. The Seahawks offense is in prime position, I think, to be incredibly complimentary here, uh, but no Devin Witherspoon with that hamstring injury that's still been sidelining him since he uh, got to camp. Well, hopefully he can be ready by the start of the regular season. He was a heck of a player at Illinois, excellent cover corner. A lot of penalties, though, when he was at Illinois because he was very physical. 602-260-1060 is the number. If you'd like to chime in, we'll get into some more NFL uh, topics on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060. We'll also have uh, some Diamondbacks tickets, a four-pack given away a little bit later on for Saturday, August 26th contest. As it's time to bear down, the D-backs are hosting the Reds. For U of A night presented by Chase, fans can purchase a special event ticket package to receive a game ticket and co-branded U of A Diamondbacks t-shirt visit dbacks.com slash u of a to secure your tickets that's saturday august 26 dbacks hosting the reds at 5 10 p.m 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in here on the extra point Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app. KDOS AM 1060 on this Monday, August 21st. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortelaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Some other takeaways from the preseason action week number two. Uh, I may need to take back what I have previously said about the Carolina Panthers, and it's because Bryce Young needs help. The offensive line They just continue to not be able to hold up at all, Uh, whether the line is being beaten or costly penalties. Bryce Young is taking some shots, and uh, this seems to be apparent now in what we've heard from joint practices and what we've seen now in two games of preseason action. Okay, and he's not a a small dude, not just height-wise. He's just not big, so hopefully he can survive. Uh, the Falcons played the first team offense for a series, and well, Bijan Robinson is going to be a highlight reel. Certainly makes defenders miss, and showing that next level speed should be a lot of fun to to watch him have some opportunities. 
big fan even back in the South Point High School days in Tucson and uh yeah they played in uh, some state playoff games and uh I remember watching him on television in his high school and uh unfortunately seemingly never really considered going to the U of A or ASU and uh was going to go to Ohio State or Texas and then unfortunately for Ohio State fans made a wrong choice uh, even though Ohio State's usually not hurting for running backs, but he's he's tremendous. Big fan, have been for many years, and uh, uh, I'm interested to see how they divide all the running back carries. I know that Patterson's now hurt. I saw that the other day, but I don't think he's really good. He, he was going to be like their third guy. Uh, but the dude from BYU, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, was you know a pretty good player last year, and uh, he's going to get goal line carries for sure. Uh, so we'll see how all that works out in Atlanta, but I don't think we're going to find out how that's going to work out until the regular season starts. Uh, Tyler Algier? That would be him, the guy that had like 7,000 yards against ASU one game. <laughs> Other things that, to st- uh, I guess, caught my attention, C.J. Stroud, he looked a little bit better for the Texans than he did in week number one, but I still think it's all uh, going to be kind of – you know what? It, 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 with rookies, it's not even necessarily game to game. It's like series to series. Makes sense. Now he's a guy, you know, that has you know what's expected to be a good offensive line, at least the tackles. I mean, they've got uh, you know one of the best tackle combinations in the NFL when healthy. Uh, so you know that's one advantage that I think that uh, that Stroud's going to have over uh, not just uh, Bryce Young but other young quarterbacks, let alone rookie quarterbacks. And uh, the other thing that caught my attention here with the Cleveland Browns uh, is that uh, DTR, he continues to look good here. He obviously isn't going to be starting here. He may not even be the backup quarterback, but uh, he's certainly been impressive in his opportunities in the league. If he plays in the regular season, it's been a disaster for the Browns this season, during this, before that. I mean, that's the only way he plays. If there's a... Just massive injuries, or you know, everything just goes. You know, Deshaun Watson is terrible again. Uh, that's the only one he plays in the regular season. Week zero in college football, though, is here. And, of course, it's Navy and Notre Dame off in Dublin, Ireland. That's the big contest, plus San Jose State and USC here. Uh, Time to put conference realignment talk on the back burner because football is finally here. And it'll also be the last go-round for the Pac-12 conference as we know it. So maybe to uh, have some little nostalgia for all of that here. But for Notre Dame football, it's uh, time for Sam Hartman to see what he can do as a graduate transfer with the Fighting Irish at Wake Forest. His ACC uh, performances here, he has a record of 110 touchdown passes, 21 career, 300-yard passing games, which is the most in ACC history. Notre Dame is certainly counting on Sam Hartman and his uh, collegiate experience here to really lead this team. Navy, though, plus 20.5. Notre Dame, minus 20.5. The over-under sitting at 50.5. Okay, good luck if you want to bet on that game. Yeah, you know, that's you know, you're just you know taking you know throwing darts in my opinion. But I loved Hartman at Wake Forest. Uh, if you're into the ACC network, it seemed like he was like a weekly post game guest. And he's if that dude's got a television future. You know, you don't say that very often about 20 year olds or however old he's like got to be older than he's like probably 23 or 24 by now because he's been around for a while. But uh, that guy can talk and he can throw, and we'll see how it works out for Notre Dame. And uh, 
you know, Notre Dame. I'm not familiar with their schedule except for the you know, week four, uh, well, week five, I guess, for them as they play Ohio State uh, in South Bend this year after they played in Columbus to start last season. Uh, then you also have the San Jose State and USC contest. The numbers here, San Jose State plus 30.5, uh, minus 30.5, over-under sitting at 64.5. Of course, the talk of the town, though, being Caleb Williams. He's back once again. He leads the Heisman odds at plus 500. For USC to win the championship, they're 16-1. to A couple of things of note here. There are three new starters on the offensive line for USC. Transfers from WSU, Jared Kingston, Florida, Michael Tarquin, and Wyoming, Emmanuel Pergon, and then also the huge question mark on the defensive side of the ball. Remarkably, they had 29 turnovers last year, but ranked 93rd in scoring defense, giving up 29.2 points per game, and they have at least five transfers in on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and, uh, I, you know, if you want to lay 16 to one to for USC to win the national championship, uh, yeah, maybe if you run into me in the street or something. Let's have a discussion because I'll take your action on that. Uh, Kirby Smart named Carson Beck the starting quarterback. Beck, of course, has been is uh, been with the program since 2020. He is a senior. By all accounts, he was going to be named the starting quarterback. It's now just been made official. Well, he was actually three years ago. He was number one ahead of Stetson Bennett, and he got you know, beat out there and. Obviously, Bennett went on to win two national championships. I have no idea where Bent's playing now. I'm sure he's in the NFL somewhere as a backup. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but uh, like I said, Beck was actually the number one guy at one time, like three, literally three seasons ago, when, you know, the, the, before they won their first national championship. He started uh, camp. I'm pretty sure he started camp. I know he was number one at some point early in that season. And uh, you know, wasn't good enough to keep the job, and he was expected. He, he hung around, to his credit, I assume. There were plenty of schools that tried to get him through the transfer portal. Uh, but uh, the fact that he stayed good for him, and we'll see how it works out. But yeah, he certainly had a high pedigree at one point. It was, a lot was expected of him literally like three seasons ago. Stetson Bennett's actually with the Rams. Okay, well, hopefully we won't get to watch him play because that means that uh, Matthew Stafford will be injured. Nick Saban has not yet named a starter at quarterback here. Over the weekend, he said, quote, they all got to play. They all took some snaps. They all completed some passes. They all made some throws that weren't as good as they should have been, and they all got sacked. So that's not a great comment there from Nick Saban as he's okay. trying to make a decision between Jalen Milrow, Ty, Ty Simpson, and Tyler Buckner. Well, I didn't see. I remember you know, from our preseason, you know, brief preview of the SEC and Alabama's schedule. You know, they've played some of these really high-profile Week One games in recent years. That's not the case this year, and it seems like they're easing their way in. So they've got a little time to figure out who their quarterback is. And finally, for ASU, they have yet to name a starting quarterback, and uh, Kenny Dillingham has said that Thursday is the deadline of this week for that starting quarterback position to be named between Trenton Borgay, Jaden Rashada, and Drew Pine. Okay. Um, I like, I'm not quite as uh, down on uh, – but not, it's close. I'm not quite as down on ASU football than I am the Cardinals, but I think that ASU – should be at least going into the season to me. I think it's very fortunate for ASU that Stanford's still in the Pac-12. 
Well, we'll get into some PGA Tour talk on the other side of the break. It was a great week for us. Victor Hovland, he came through. He came through in spectacular fashion as well. We'll update things going on with the Ryder Cup as well. And it is the last uh, event, the Tour Championship on the PGA Tour this week. Remember, it's kind of an interesting uh, start. It's an interesting type of tournament and formatting. So we'll get into all of that here next. It is the extra point right here on on KDUS AM 1060. wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Wrapping up hour number one on this Monday, August 21st. Kayla Mortolaro, Bob Kemp with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's talk a little PGA Tour golf. The BMW Championship wrapped up yesterday. A little winner, winner, chicken dinner for us. Victor Hovland coming through. Uh, it's really funny because I was watching the coverage yesterday and Vic got off to a great start. Also, Scotty Scheffler got off to a great start. Then it was like about whole five or six. Vic was short of the uh, short of the green. He elected to putt. It was probably like a 100-foot putt or so. I'm not kidding. It was it was really lengthy. And he left it woefully short, and he made bogey. And I thought to myself, oh, man, he's going to have to shoot nine under to beat Scotty Scheffler the way that he's playing golf right now. And what does Victor Hovland do? He goes and he shoots nine under 61, which included a 28 on the back nine, including closing birdies on 17 and 18 to beat Scotty Scheffler and Matt Fitzpatrick by two. Scotty Scheffler, he uh, was actually within one. He missed a short putt, though, on 17 that would have kept him one back going into 18 and would have changed the dynamics a little bit there. But Victor Hovland getting his second uh, PGA Tour win of the season. We were actually on him when he won at the Memorial, and we were on him this week. So Vic's been good to us so far this year. Uh, good for him, though. He's been playing some really solid golf, and just the the golf course setup seemed to really suit his game well with his ball striking ability and the short game's coming around. The putting is kind of streaky here and there, but he has his opportunities, and he's certainly been uh, working hard and seeing some success with his game. So he vaults himself into number two in the FedEx Cup standings. Scotty Scheffler stays one in the FedEx Cup standings. So this is a reminder here about the Tour Championship. It's uh, a staggered start. So this is what this means, that the 30 guys that are playing at East Lake this week all start at a certain under par. And it's going to make trying to find bets this week really challenging uh, because Scotty Scheffler starts the week off at 10 under par. Then Victor Hovland is starting the week at 8 under par. Rory McIlroy starting at 7 under par. John Rahm at 6 under par. Lucas Glover at 5 under par. Then there's a whole host of guys at 4 under par, including Max Homa, Patrick Cantlay, Brian Harmon, Wyndham Clark, Matt Fitzpatrick. And it goes on down the list. Um, 
for those that are in the 30th position starting at even par. So it makes it a little bit challenging if you're starting in that 30th spot, even when Scotty Scheffler has 10 strokes on you just getting the tournament started. So we'll see what we come up with. We'll try to get inventive on Wednesday's show about what we're going to do with the Tour Championship if we can find anything in that vein. For the Ryder Cup, though, we had talked about this last week that qualifications ended for the United States team after the BMW Championship. So the automatic qualifiers are Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homa, and Xander Shoffley gets it done. He bumps Brooks Kepka out of the automatic qualifying position. So finishing seventh is Brooks, eighth Jordan Spieth, ninth Cam Young, Colin Morikawa, 10th, Keegan Bradley, 11th, Sam Burns, 12th, and Ricky Fowler, 13th. Remember, there's a 12-person team, so your six are in, and then there is Zach Johnson, the captain, having to make six more selections to round out the United States team. Uh couple of other areas of things to pay attention to, right? So the Ryder Cup is run by the PGA of America. It is not run by the PGA Tour. Guess who won the PGA Championship this year, which again is run by the PGA of America, not the PGA Tour. That's right. That was won by Brooks Kepka. So interesting to see if they'll want their, you know, representative of the major championship to be participating in the Ryder Cup. And if there's going to be any sort of pressure to put him on the team. He's been playing really well. Obviously, he plays and competes on the Live Golf Tour. So all the contention that has happened with that. So it'll be interesting to see who rounds out the next six positions to make the U.S. Ryder Cup team. You also have to factor in who's playing well. Names like Lucas Glover, obviously, with his last couple of victories. And someone who's not getting like any love at all, but maybe he's been playing some pretty steady golf, has actually been Russell Henley. So we'll see where Zach Johnson goes to round out the official U.S. Ryder Cup team. That'll do it for hour number one. Hour number two is coming up on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point on this Monday, August 21st. Just bite. I'm 